is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. This morning at the prayer meeting, I encourage you to get to prayer meetings. They are where the life of the church beats. You know, it's a heartbeat. If you're looking at getting to this, not this, not me moaning that people don't come. It's just so exciting when you do, because actually, God turns up at prayer meetings because he, he responds to us talking to him. It's just so wonderful. Um, so there's uh, early morning. There, there's prayer meetings, uh, and it's not that early, is it? Goodness me, it's not that early. Um, this morning, when we were praying, um, God, God uh, spoke to me. Reference uh, this scripture. Um, I have to keep a timer on, so I've got a timer running, so that um, you don't get an hour's preach. Is that okay? Keep keep it down. You don't want a, you don't want an hour, do you? Yeah. <laughs> See, no, I was. Yeah, never mind. So, um, uh, what I'd like you to do, so children as well. Um, I know you've all got colouring books and all that sort of thing. If you could just put them on the floor for me, just for a moment, children. And if you're a parent, uh, you, who's got a child, that's good. That's fine. I think holding a child is good. So, I just felt prompted uh, when we were praying that could you all stand? So, I was getting you to put it down so that you could stand up and it wouldn't go all over the floor. So that was thoughtful, wasn't it? Okay. So everybody stand, everybody stand, everybody stand. Everybody stand. That's pretty good, pretty good, pretty, pretty good result, really. I'm impressed that. Right, now you can sit down. That's great, that's great. Right, that's, that's all right. it'll, it'll make sense as we roll through, as we roll through. That was, that was really good. No, no, don't, no. Now you've got to stand up again. Okay. So you've got to know there's threes. All right, there's threes in this. Okay, so you're going to sit down. You're going to sit down. That's great. Okay. So last time, last time, and unlike some things, this is going to be true. Stand up, stand down. Okay. That's fantastic. Right, now you can sit down. Where do wars and fights come from you? So, so uh, James 4, James 4, here we are. This is uh, James 4, we got the whole chapter. And unlike some of the other chapters we had, instead of having 30-odd verses to go through, I've got a small chapter, which is really great, isn't it? So I'm going to start reading at chapter 4, and some of this will come into um, the, the, the word that I felt God was bringing to us this morning. And in the middle of this chapter, there's these words, submit to God. Right. Submit to God. And whatever that means to you, to me, Scripture unwraps that for us this morning in quite an interesting way. So we're going to read the chapter and then move on. That was just to give you the chance to open it up on your devices or in your Bibles. Like Graham, I have a paper version. <laughs> and uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to really bring scripture before you this morning. Um, one in the physical sense, as well as in the spiritual sense. The Word of God, the living Word of God that is active and able to do so much more than we could think or imagine when we allow it to work in our lives. So here we are. Where do wars and fights come from you? This is, this is verse 1. James is talking to the church. What about wars and fights amongst us? Could he really be talking to the likes of us? Yeah, he was. <laughs> okay, yeah, he was. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll read the rest of the chapter and, uh, and actually see what James is saying to one to the ch to the to the church, um, but also what he's saying to us today. What does Scripture say to us today from these amazing verses? Do they come from the desires for your pleasures that war in your members? 
Now, that's just not individuals, but that's in us physically. What, what is our desire? What, what, what it, does that come to? You lust and do not have. You murder and cover and cannot obtain. You fight and war, and yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says in vain that the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are no longer a doer of the law, but a judge. Therefore, if one is a, uh, there is only one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Verse 13, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a place, such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make money. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For your, for what is your life? It is even a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. OK, we won't use notes. That's fine. <laughs> it might be longer, but there we are. It's OK. Uh, Therefore, to him who knows the good he should do and does not do it, to him is sin. Let's put those up there. I do number the sheets, so it's not so bad. So. And I put my phone in the way, so it shouldn't happen again. A little bit of wind. There we are. Submit to God, therefore. What does submit to God mean? And then how should I submit to God? What does this really look like for my life, for your life? Um, it's one of those key phrases within the whole chapter that makes it all sensible, that makes it all workable. Uh, when we're having a look at uh, some, of the, some of the words that Paul is using, what does he declare us to be? What does he declare us to be? Adulterers and adulteresses. It's, it's, it's one of those things that... How, how could I be described in that way? All right. And uh, when, you, when you're thinking about, uh, here I am, I'm a man, can I be an adulteress? Well, actually, in the scriptural sense, yes, I could be. I could definitely be an adulteress because my husband is Christ and I'm part of the bride. 
So as a bride of Christ, if I am not, if I am not in obedience and submission to him, then I'm actually in rebellion to my husband, my Lord, my saviour and my king. So when, when this scripture says to me, submit to God, in what area is it asking me to sit, submit to God? Can uh, anybody think of an area that you don't have to submit to God in? Good. That was very good. That was exactly the sort of response. That was submit to God, therefore, you know, in every, every area of life. And the challenge that we've got here is Paul is reaching out to us and, and, and talking to us about uh, being submitted. There's this wisdom that comes from where and what should I be submitted to? How should I be submitted? And really, um, that's 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 the essence of pretty much every area that Paul talks through right from the beginning. Well, well James talks to us right the way through from the beginning of James, right the way to the end of James. When I'm thinking about how I should be submitted to God, what does that look like? This word of God is the first place, the first place I need to be submitted to. It's the first place. It could be the first and the last. <laughs> right? This is what I need to be submitted to. I've got to believe that everything in it is right. Everything in it is true. Everything in it is without fault, without blemish. This is what I've got to believe in. It's when I believe the words that I heard that Christ was my saviour, that it confounds the world. All right? it's, it's, it's one of those things that, how do I believe in this word? And what does submitting to it mean? Submitting to God means that I've got to submit all the, submit to everything that he said. Otherwise, am I, is he really Lord of my life? So when you're reading your scripture on how often do I read the word of God? How often do I listen to it? You don't have to pick up the word. It's all on, on, on YouTube now. You can just listen to it and you can listen to it and you can listen to it. You can play it in your car. You can play it on CD. You can play it any way you like and it can just wash over you every day. But one of the challenges are that, that actually, does it really have an effect in our lives? Because I can be a hearer of the word, but am I a doer of the word? Does the word take root in me? Does it actually really have its sway over me? I need to be submitted to it if I am to be an obedient child. If I'm to be obedient before God. So uh, I've got a, a, a couple of questions when we're approaching the word of God, do I really come to it and actually believe that it's true? Because when I read James here, one of the things that he does, he accuses us, James, actually. And as we're reading scripture, what it is, this word is true and it's active and it's God speaking to us. It's no longer James, it's the word of God speaking to us. And uh, what does it say? It accuses us. And when the word of God accuses us, what's our, our, our normal response? Hmm, I don't think that really applies to me. No, no. <laughs> I'm better than that. And the reality is, no, I'm not. Because God knows me better than I know myself. So when James says, and through God speaks to us through this book, it accuses us of things. It accuses us. 
of pride. It accuses us of all sorts of things. And my natural response might be one thing, but my godly response is something else. My godly response should be confession. If it's saying I'm an adulteress to my Lord and my God, then my straightforward, you're right. And I need to confess where that's right. Okay, so uh, the, the first thing is, when it accuses me, my shouldn't be a pushback. <laughs> it should be, where, Lord? How, Lord? What can I do differently? I need to confess that before you, Lord. The next thing I need to do is, when, when, <laughs> after that, after the confession, usually there's a bit of condemnation. All right? So the condemnation, whoa, doesn't that all come from the enemy? Well, no, 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 no. I, I knew I was condemned, um, and that's why Christ had to die for me. I have to receive the fact that I was deserving of condemnation before I can receive my salvation. So it's one of those things. First of all, I have to recognize, one, I need to confess. The next thing I need to do is plead guilty. You're right, Lord, because actually I'm not completely completely perfect yet. It's true, isn't it, Anne? Yeah. So it's just one of those things. Just, uh, I need another voice I trust as well as God. And, uh, uh, we all know that I'm not perfect. Uh, but it's, it's a work in progress. Righteousness works. I'm completely righteous in the eyes of God. That's great. But I'm still working out all of that, bringing this old flesh into submission and so forth. So I need to plead guilty before God. That's, that's just that reality. Otherwise, where is the humility that, 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 is, that, that, that we need? So confess, plead guilty, and then the hope, the hope, the hope. What does it say? Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Doesn't it? That's what, this is what this scripture says. Draw near to God and he's going to draw near to you. In fact, if you're not feeling close to God today, he hasn't moved. All right? So if you're not feeling close to God at the moment, then actually he's not the one who's moved away. It's usually because I've gone my own way. I'm going my own way. I, I, I've, I've not been perhaps in tune with um, the, the last piece of uh, scripture here uh, that, that, that I read was that who knows the good that they should do and doesn't do it? Sins. Right? Uh, and uh, it's one of the reasons why I, I, I trek up here to the microphone to bring a prophetic word. When God speaks to us, do I obey? Stand up, sit down, okay. <laughs> it's, it's one of those demonstrations of when God speaks to us, what do I do about it? It's so important. And here's this hope that if I draw close to God, he'll draw close to me. And I need to grasp those truths. Why? Because actually the confession and the guilty and then the hope that, that is out there for me to grasp hold of, that I can draw close to God and know that truth, that even in the midst of the trial, God holds out always, always holds out hope to us. And then here, here we go, does it command you? And, and you find that through all of scripture, there's commandments and commandments and commandments. And most people think about the commandments of thou shalt not. All right, thou shalt not. Rather than the beginning, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. This is a commandment of God. And it's, it's, it's a starting point, and actually the fulfilment of all scripture is made up in that one commandment. The commandment to obey God, that he is God that he is Lord. He is sovereign over every circumstance. We were, when we were singing those songs today about who he is and what he's done in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a trial, etc., there is always this amazing hope. But usually with the blessing, there's also a condition for the blessing. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, God will. There's usually a, an amazing, amazing Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. God always holds out that hope, and he always commands us. I don't know which one. So he always commands us. I'm echoing here, but it's all right there. Yeah, cool. Okay, so uh, he commands us to do the things that will bless us. He always commands us to take us into closer relationship with himself, moving into the bigger and wonderful blessings of a closer relationship with him. Um, he will guide us. So does he guide you? This is, these are the things that scripture does. Accuse, condemn, holds out hope, commands us and guides us. It will tell us how to behave. When we're having a look at these, we're, 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 it's one of those things that as we unpack the, the few points that I've got after running through Submit to God, uh, we'll have a look at how some of them work. He guides us into how to put his love and his power and his joy and peace into practice so that we can be that amazing light he's called us to be. And does he cheer you up? Does he make you happy? Does he fill you with joy? Because all of the promises that he says to you and about you are true. It's one of the reasons we need to submit ourselves to the scripture as it is true, not as if it is true. Right? As if it's true. No, no. It is true. So when God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, it's true. That's the way he sees you. When he says he looks at you and he sees you as beautiful and whole and worthy of the sacrifice, it's true. When he says that for the joy set before him, Christ went to the cross. You're the joy. You're the joy. You are the joy to God that he went to the cross and paid the amazing prices he paid because of you, the wonderful wonderful, wonderful people of God. He said, you were worthy of it. Went there because he loved us so much. These are the hopes that we have to believe in. So uh, a couple of points um, in my last 10 minutes, which is pretty good. Uh, there we are. I think I'm almost on schedule. So I'm going to hold on to my bit of paper and do this. So where the war comes from, uh, they come from uh, our, our selfishness, our judgment, our, uh, 
all the sorts of things that we were brought up into. Um, I don't know when you became a Christian, but I'm sure that you've had quite a few non-Christian influences around you. In fact, in most of our lives, we're surrounded by non-Christians and all sorts of media, etc., that have no Christian values to them whatsoever. In fact, quite the alternative. Most of our society is bordering on... Uh, how you, you could actually express it. So critical, so judgmental, so uh, finding fault. It's, it's everywhere, whether it be your colleagues, whether it be your bosses, whether it be customers, whoever. People are finding fault, criticising, etc. They love to be able to blame someone. Whenever you, whenever you turn the news, we want to actually see who's to blame. All right? and, uh, and that has an impact on us truly does have an impact on us. How do you stay positive and blessing and encouraging the light that we're called to be when around you is such darkness, such horrible, horrible things going on around our world? It is just a catastrophe out there. The dark seems to be getting darker. And yet, what does that mean? It means you, as the lights of Christ, actually shine like beacons. As long as we don't become too much like that world in our walk, because my second point is about where do wars come from. Um, oh, right. So this is the tough bit, okay. So for us, where do wars and criticism come from? And when James is talking about this and when God is pointing the finger, he's saying, so who don't you like here? Who don't you like here? Who would you criticise? Who would you find fault with? What's not going your way? What's not being done the way you'd like it to be done? How is that all working out for you? How is it? Because that's where wars and fights come from amongst us. That's why people leave churches. They're unreconcilable issues. It's one of those challenges that we all have because actually we bring who we are into church. And when I came into the church, it became less perfect, right? Because I joined it, all right? We all have a bit of that in us. And James is saying, look, when you, <laughs> where do wars come from? Where do fights come from? Where do criticisms come from amongst you? Okay? It's when we bring the, wor wor we bring the world in. Because when we listen to what God says about us, there is no room. There is no room for criticism. Um, Graham, elders, got to say, Lovely men of God. I'm really blessed by them. But you've got to know that they don't build the church. They don't. God builds the church. And all they've got to do is actually be obedient like the rest of us. And then God builds the church. It's having this word of God in us and finding the things to bless one another with and encourage one another with and build one another up. Because actually when we find that negativity and, and so forth. That's where, the, where it takes root. That's where the wars and the, the pain starts coming into church because people, we're all like that. The world comes in on us. And uh, this whole idea of being an adulterer or, 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 or being so disobedient, this, this is what God is saying to us. We must not be like this. We must be like Christ. Uh, and it goes on into do not judge brothers a little bit later on in this scripture. So uh, that was the bit I nearly bypassed, but God just said no. Uh, Paul, you've got... Because <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? What's, what's God, what does God want us to respond? 
plead guilty and confess. If that, some of that's in your heart and you've got some issues in and around church, he wants us to plead guilty and confess and then do something about it. If we've got that in us and we've got problems that actually we can't reconcile in church, etc., Scripture tells us what to do. Go and see the brother, have a chat with them. Get it out in the open. The enemy flees. Why? Because you're doing God's way. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll free from you. Right? So if you've got a problem, go and have a chat with the person and ask forgiveness. Ask forgiveness. Why should I ask forgiveness after what they did? Well, do not judge a brother, it says here. It, it, it is my, is my, uh, I've got one more point to make after it, but it's, it's one of those things. Do not judge one another. Who am I to judge you? Paul, the great apostle Paul, declares himself to be an apostle and amongst the apostles. The way he describes himself is the least of the apostles, Paul does. He's just a lovely, lovely, humble person. And the reason I'm referring to that is because when he talks about himself amongst believers, he declares himself the least amongst the believers. He's the least. Everybody's better than him. That's how he sees himself. And he doesn't leave it there when he talks about himself about amongst sinners. He declares himself to be the worst of sinners. Now, this is a person who was anointed by God and much of the New Testament, other than the Gospels, was written by Paul and declared himself the worst of sinners. How can such a man judge another brother or sister? If we truly know who we are in Christ and actually what an awful sinner I was and how I've come a journey with God, when I look out at you, I'm sorry, you're nicer than me. Because I don't know you, but I do know what's in here. I know what I was like. I know what I was saved from. How can I judge you, who I don't really know, but actually when God was poured out his grace on me, who I do know? How can I possibly judge you other than think, hey, I can see Christ in you. Beloved, I can see Christ in you. I want to be an encourager. I want to be one of those who blesses. I want to be one of those who builds you up, who can actually see something of the wonder of God in each of you. The enemy would love to point out faults. I have no right to find fault. And when it declares me I should not judge a brother or a sister in Christ, of course I should not. Because he died for you and finds you as wonderful. Wonderful. And that should be my view of who you are. The last thing, uh, my last point, and uh, I've got four minutes left on my clock, so there we are. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> the last thing was um, do not boast about tomorrow. Okay? Do not boast about tomorrow. Uh, and... Uh, this is where it all goes uh, a little awry. Um, I don't know about you. I have a lot of life outside of church. I go to work uh, fully. You know, I'm, I'm employed, uh, etc. And um, so much of your life is living in a world that does not know God. Doesn't know God. How are you a light in those circumstances? Uh, where, how do you include God in your workplace, in the things that you do, the things that you say, the way you believe, etc.? I've found that actually uh, independence uh, from God in that arena just brings disaster. 
right? Disaster. Uh, doing it my way. Uh, I, I saw a job on the, uh, uh, one of the first jobs I've seen in the last few years that I thought, oh, look, that, that'd be nice. I could do that. I, I, I said it to Rachel and Anne the other Oh, look, it's the first one I've seen. It's lots of money. Just saying. And, uh, and I thought, oh, I wonder if I should apply for that. I should apply. I should apply for that. And uh, this was this was this week. Uh, and it's relevant because I'd already prepared what I was going to say about independence. <laughs> and uh, and I thought, do you know, the, 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 uh, it's a little story. It might take me a minute or over, but it's a, it's a, it's a story of how God dealt with uh, with me uh, in my in my working uh, career. I, I, just out of nowhere, every now and again, something would come my way. I'd get promoted. Didn't want it. Get given a job. Didn't want it etc and so forth and god would bless me and uh right fine thank you uh, it's really good uh, and uh, I, I really felt god call me into ministry uh quite a long time ago and uh and there was uh, in new frontiers they have this thing towards leadership and it was run by arnold bell and a few others etc <laughs> graham smiling there uh, and i thought i'd like to do that and i was doing this job i was traveling all over south wales in the m4 corridor i was living in northampton <laughs> it was just and uh i, I thought how am i going to do this lord and i really felt him say you you should go self-employed that's what i should do how am i going to do that so um, my bosses at the time um, were talking to me because I kept on applying for other jobs, etc. Still hadn't learned the lesson at that stage, all right? And uh, I, and they said, what, "What's going on, Paul? What do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, actually, ideally, I'd like to I'd like to um, go self-employed and go back into training." And they said, "Oh, that's interesting. How can we help you with that?" I said, "Well." Um, uh, is that redundancy package that stopped the other year still going? We could make it work for you. That's what they said. And when would it be best for you to start that? What sort of time of year? Well, probably either the summer or the beginning of the new year when, when everything's happening. Yeah, we could work that out for you. Yeah, we can do that. That's what they said. And they did. They, gave me, they put me on project work for, for the next six months. I got, a pen, I got this, this package, etc., and I started my business. And I signed up for towards leadership, etc., because I knew being independent, I could put the time aside and do that. Fantastic, eh? And of course, when you're running that, and you've still got money, and it's all right, and then you're running out of money, and the money's not coming in, etc., all those sorts of things. But interesting enough, from the day the money ran out, actually my first bill got paid. Now, just to put it into context, one of the things Anne and I decided, if we were going to do this, we better give the, God, the, 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 the business to God. We called it Acacia Training. Acacia after acacia wood. Gark of a Covenant was made out of acacia wood. And acacia wood is really good. It's like a, a, it's a, it's a Middle Eastern sort of oak. And it's, it's, it's uh, just, a, why would God make the Ark of the Covenant out? Well, because it's actually, uh, it doesn't take mildew. It's, uh, it, it, and none of the bugs, etc., can eat into it. It's, it's just such a good piece of wood. And obviously God designed it for his covenant. So it was going to be pretty good, wasn't it? So we decided we were going to call it uh, Acacia, I like trees, uh, and Acacia uh, Training and Marketing, that was the name of the company. And we decided we were going to dedicate it to God and he was going to have the first fruits and all that sort of thing. We'd already sorted tithing out, which is one of those big challenges most of us have to face at some stage. But uh, we were going on for it. Fantastic. So the money was running out and the first bill got paid. Boom. That was good, wasn't it? So 
And I was just about to start uh, this amazing uh, course that was going to help me grow in the Word of God, etc. And, I, and, and uh, I was going for these contracts, you know, uh, I, stuff I was really good at, pe things that I was really well known at. Should have been a doddle. Didn't get any. Didn't get any. The only work I got, and this lasted for nearly 10 years, right? the only work I got is people would ring me up and say, hey, Paul, I've heard of you. That was how work came in. None of the contracts I'd heard were going and actually apply for and send in my de details and uh, negotiate with, etc. None of them. I didn't get any of them. Right? None. And the only time I got the work was actually when the phone would ring and strangers would ring me and heard of me, etc. And it worked really amazingly. It was just a thing of faith. It was just a thing of faith. God provided. And if you think that's not, that's not going to work for you, it's working for you now. The only reason you're getting anything is because God's giving it to us. All right? In that last piece, I'm telling the story. It does take a bit of time. So in that quarter, that, that, that going up to Christmas, I got invited over to... Uh, a, a phone came in, and this guy rang me and said, Oh, Paul, I wondered if you could come in with me on a contract, or going for this contract. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's worth a lot of money. How to reel you in, you see? It's worth a lot of money. So reel you in. Uh, so I went along for this meeting, etc., and the person we were presenting to liked us both, etc., and said, right, so uh, you've got to come to this meeting with a client, etc., on such and such a date. Can't go. Why can't I go? Because I was doing towards leadership. I was doing that, so I can't go. So well, if you can't go, you can't be part of it. It's worth a lot of money. I can't go. God's more important. Is God more important? It's got to be more important. So I said I couldn't go. So I was driving home, and I was talking to Anne on the phone. <laughs> I just had to walk away. So two months later, this guy who had been running it got in contact with me and said, wonder if I could come and do a little favour for him. So I said, yeah. So I went and did this job piece of work for him. The person who said he, could, I couldn't, he couldn't use me if I hadn't gone. He said, you know, it's really good you didn't get, in, in, get into that with that other guy. He said, because he's thoroughly let us down. And that guy arranged for me, I think he, well, about 50% of all my work over the next three years came through that. That was the person I walked out on, saying, God comes first. Seventh year, I had a Sabbath year. God said, I'm going to give you a Sabbath year, Paul. Are you submitted to God, therefore? All right, this is my question, right? Because God knows and he provides for everything. In my sa God said he was going to give us a Sabbath year. Not quite like the year of Jubilee, where all your debts are cancelled. I like that one. A <laughs> Sabbath year is where you leave the land fallow and you don't plant, you don't get anything. That September, all of my contracts finished and they didn't get renewed. I ended up working in freezer warehouses and all sorts of things because none of the jobs I applied for that I was well overqualified for, went for interviews, I didn't get any. The following September, the phone rang. Right? And my contract started again. I took over doing, delivering uh, a lovely contract for Citroen UK, doing some, a piece of work for them again and again. When God, it just, look, God is in control of everything. If we don't submit to his will in things, we miss the best, best things he's got for us. You see, if I don't submit, I'm in rebellion. Because when God, the sovereign Lord of all, talks to you, it's not all pleased you think you could. He's very gentle with us and he's wonderful like that. But no, 
when we say no to God and know the good we should do and don't do it, it's sin. That's where this ended. Right? And trying to hear what God is saying to us and then obey it. What part of it? All of it. Absolutely all of it. I'm trying to give you some illustrations in my life of how God is in control. And if I try and step outside of that control, see, lots of people control. You will have had controlling relationships in your life, and it's awful. But when God's in control, it just brings blessing after blessing and goodness. Why? Because he can't do anything worse than good. Right? He can't. Why? Because it's who he is. Submit to God, therefore. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now, if you're online and you're here today, there's one of the things I'd love to do is pray a prayer with you. Because somewhere along the line, you might not know Jesus. You might not know him. And even if you do, there might be areas of your life that you've not submitted to God in yet. And I'd like to finish with a prayer, and I wondered whether you would pray it with me. So it can be for Christians and non-Christians. So you can all be included. Can all be included. So um, could we all stand up? Could we all stand up? Almost like we were in the presence of God. <gasps> might be. Might be. And I've got to tell you, we are. We are in the presence of God. And if you feel that you can, you can say these words after me. I believe that you are God of all. I confess that I have willfully sinned against you. I plead guilty and deserve your judgment. Thank you for the gift of Jesus who paid for all my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may live an obedient, submissive life to you. Enable me to submit to your word and follow you. I'm going to finish in prayer, if that's okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one true God who loves us so much. And submitting to you, Lord, is submitting to blessing, goodness, life, wholeship, eternity. We thank you, Lord, that your word is forever food for our souls. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sunday morning.